The threat landscape too is not a physical threat landscape alone as well. Now we're on, you know, less secure networks perhaps at home and maybe using different devices than we usually do or, or less access to really maintain the integrity of the networks in which our employees are using. So, you know, there's much to consider for security teams that are tasked with helping keep, you know, their people, their assets safe. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Lucas Quanstrom, co-founder and CEO at Ontech. Lucas, thanks for joining me. How are you today? Great, Peter. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast with you today. Well, it's really great to have you here. I do appreciate it, and I'm excited to discuss our main topic, which is how organizations can identify risks before they become threats. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit more about your background and your role at Ontech? You bet. You know, the story of how we ended up founding Ontic was really at the intersection of protective intelligence tradecraft and big data technology. And I just happened to be from the software technology side of that equation. And ultimately, as CEO, I'm tasked with helping us build a software company so that our clients can keep their businesses safe by applying the tradecraft side of protective intelligence. Okay. And your protective intelligence platform basically allows security leaders to take a a more proactive approach to safety. But before we get into that, can you explain what exactly protective intelligence means? Absolutely, Peter. Protective intelligence is an investigative and analytical process used to proactively identify, assess, and mitigate threats to protectees. So the concept has been around for a while now, but is still relatively new in the world of corporate security, where teams have focused more on reactive threat management and less on getting ahead of threats before an incident occurs. How do you predict a critical event before it occurs? That's pretty amazing. Sounds like sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Well, not quite to that level, but look, we believe that you know by adapting a mindset shift to a proactive, always-on security approach, you can continually collect and connect what we call pre-incident physical threat indicators to provide the critical knowledge needed to prevent bad things from happening. You know, these pre-incident indicators come in many forms. Perhaps it's a threatening letter, it's a dark web post, an employee tip, you know, but all of these deserve what we would consider active management. So would you say something like this would not have been possible, or at least not with great accuracy, just as little as 10 or 15 years ago, but now because there's so much information out on the internet that you can glean from and put this story together? Is that is that why you're able to do what you do today? Well, I think it was possible um, to do what we do. What's changed and why Ontic is you know really so helpful to our clients today is the volume of data yeah. with which there is to assess has just exploded right across multiple different mediums. And so I think just with the amount that there is to go discover, go investigate, uh, that's really created a lot of challenges for those in the protective intelligence field today. 
Yeah, no, we hear it all the time. Well, what about after a threat has impacted a business? What should employers do to actively manage known threats? You know, once a potential threat has been identified, the next step is really to research the threat and apply data from sources like public records, social media, darknet, so that you can learn as much as possible about the identified threat. Next, you should assess the threat to determine the severity and the risk it poses to your organization by leveraging professional threat assessment methodologies like Sigma or Waiver 21. Then, you know, and this is where protective intelligence really comes in, Peter, you watch the threat continuously looking for new public records, situational awareness, or for activity from your own IoT devices, you know, while getting real-time notifications and alerts, really to stay on top of activities that might indicate any change in that risk profile. Is there like an example you can give to people that, and you may not be able to share this stuff because it's all obviously confidential information, but maybe genericized a little bit, like we're kind of take us through how someone has used this? Absolutely. There's many different use cases and you're not always what you think. Um, And sometimes they're a little more simple than you might think too, right? So whether it's a a threatening letter to a business because they Mm -hmm. don't like XYZ about the business, right? And understanding, well, that was pretty violent. You know, do we know who this individual is? Was it a previous employee? Is it a current employee? You know, where does this person live? Um, do they have access to principles, you know, that could be, you know, problematic to our business? So that is one example. Um, you know, other examples might be anomalous behaviors, right? In terms of why did someone, you know, come visit this facility and that facility or have access control patterns that were kind of interesting too. And it's just continuing down that investigation of behaviors um, that have potential to be concerning. Um, and it's, you know, that's really as simple as it can be. Sometimes, of course, it can be more complicated and nuanced as well. Well, a lot of time threats turns out to be false alarms. There's just no real danger. So how do you detect which threats have the greatest risk to employee safety or just to the organization in general? This ties back to your question on, you know, today and the amount of data that exists as well, uh, right? It, it can be difficult. But, you know, prudence dictates taking threats seriously until vetted thoroughly, you know, Mm. especially in the day that we are in today. Um, You kind of see that everywhere, you know, in the political landscape uh, that we're in, um, the racial inequality landscape, the employment landscape, you know, there's a lot going on. So as simple as it sounds, you don't know what you don't know. This is where you really need to have the help of a platform like Ontic doesn't have to be Ontic, but help of technology, right? Um, this helps clients conduct thorough investigations. It aids in the assessment and really helps with that analysis. And where volume and time aren't roadblocks to efficiency anymore because of technology. You never know when some of the threat actors may come back around and because many do, and it might not be a week later. It could be six months. It could be a year later. But that's why that prudence dictates you need to take everything seriously until thorough vetting. Yeah, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Well, when it comes to tracking potential risk, what's the difference between active and passive monitoring. Back to thinking about, you know, today's evolving physical threat landscape, you know, we see security teams dealing with known and unknown threats um, that are managed proactively by, you know, we call it like hunting for them or reactively by taking a defensive approach. I'll give you a few examples here. So if you are proactively threat hunting unknown threat actors, you are likely using some type of OSINT, um, open source intelligence solution. Right. The most, the most common is social media listening or situational awareness could get into the dark web as well. So that's proactive, you know, looking for problems. 
If you are reacting to incidents from unknown threat actors, whether they are suspicious or direct threats, you may log an incident so that you can try to connect the dots at a later date where there may not be a clear pattern today. Another example of reacting to threats from known individuals might be your own employees, insiders, or known we call persons of interest. You might conduct an investigation or a threat assessment on a particular behavior or situation that occurred. You know, and finally, one more example. Um, if you're proactively monitoring your known persons of interest, you may be looking for suspicious patterns or anomalies in their behavior or alerts on their criminal activity or a sighting of their vehicle or a badge swipe, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that helps folks understand the difference between proactive threat hunting and reactive threat defense in relation to both known and unknown threats of which security teams are constantly dealing with. Man, it is amazing the kind of stuff they just have to be aware of. And it's just, it's physically impossible or mentally impossible for someone to do this on their own. You, you gotta leverage some kind of tech. Um, with that in mind, why do you think organizations are more concerned about employee safety now than ever before, even though a lot of people are just working from home and not coming to centralized locations anymore? We get that question a lot today on like, well, you know, it must be a lot safer because, you know, no one's really going to work anymore. Uh, but really what's happened is the threats have been pushed away from the office, which is actually a more secure location typically. And, you know, dispersed into geography due to COVID. So security teams are stretched to monitor now hundreds of staff, maybe thousands, now spread across a wide patch of less secure turf. Um, we know some who have even gone to the lengths of geofencing every employee's residence to understand wow. risk at that residence, right? You know, um, the scale is pretty enormous. So <laughs> you imagine kind of that scope of large organizations having to deal with this. Uh, it's pretty, pretty significant. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like uh, people were previously doing their important job that had to get done at the office. And if they weren't there, someone else could fill in and do it for them. But now that important work is being done from their garage or their basement or their home office or something like that. And you have to worry about that. You know, can this person continue to do their job? What if they're impacted by a power outage? We need to know that because, you know, that person's running payroll today or something like that. There's just so much you got to think about. That's right. The threat landscape, too, is not a physical threat landscape alone as well. Now we're on, you know, less secure networks, perhaps at home and maybe using different devices than we usually do or, or less access to um, to really maintain the integrity of the networks in which our employees are using. So, you know, there's much to consider for security teams that are tasked with helping keep, you know, their people, their assets safe. Well, one thing that's near and dear to my heart, just because the business we're in, Alert Media, with uh, mass notification, is keeping employees informed is super important. And it can be really challenging, especially when you've got really dispersed teams that aren't all coming together, like we said, into a single location. And there's notification fatigue. Because people are so spread out, they're constantly being notified about all sorts of things, and they tend to tune out. And then there's all this uncertainty out there as well. So in your opinion, how can organizations communicate more clearly during times of crisis and confusion? Peter, I actually think I should just ask you that question. You answer it, right? I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's a perfect topic for the team at Alert Media to address, to be quite honest. But look, threat fatigue is an issue, um, right? And it's, it's hard to separate fact from fiction many times. However, I do think being brutally honest with your staff is the best way to message information, you know, even if it's negative information. You know, sometimes it's hard to sugarcoat facts and you never want to do that in a threatening situation, especially. It's really been my experience that people appreciate the candor 
Uh, we are in for a rocky road potentially over the next few months. So you never know, you know what's going to happen, of course. But arming your people with knowledge and facts, um, I think, is is very helpful. And you know, seriously, a product like what Alert Media provides can be a great asset for effective mass communication. Do you typically find that your clients will take the information that they find and hold it kind of behind closed vests? Or do they realize, wow, this is very powerful. Let's start creating a culture of sharing, of course, when it, when it can't add to the security situation itself. But do they start to share more once they start uncovering all this stuff? Yeah, it's very situational. Yeah, some stuff is need to know and some things are under investigation and there's still a lot to learn um, with the work that we do, right? Um, And so there may be layers of information sharing that need to occur, right? Um, If an executive has threats against them, there's many times they don't necessarily know about all of them, but when they get to a level that, hey, we actually need to change course, we're not going to this location anymore, mm. then they do need to know what is happening, why, you know, and what's occurring. And there may be pushback, um, and that happens all the time. Um, you know, so not every single thing that occurs from a threat landscape perspective needs to be shared, I would think, with every single employee. They would be voluminous, to be quite honest, what's happening yeah. every single day. Um, but I do think as it relates to, you know, business continuity issues, as it relates to um, having visibility to their own safety and security, that's when, of course, um, teams need to be informed. Yeah, I think it just comes down to people are more likely to, you know, respond positively if they understand the why behind it. If they're just told X, but they have no understanding as to why, it tends to freak people out and makes them more resistant and pushes them away from whatever behavior you're trying to establish out there. So yeah, when possible, clearly keep it private if it needs to be, uh, but if not, share the why behind it. Yeah, appropriate context is very helpful. Absolutely. Well, going back to physical security, there have been some pretty significant and tragic incidents recently, such as the U.S. Capitol building riot and that really tragic bombing that happened in Nashville during the holidays. Um, How can adopting a proactive approach to security help prevent crises like those? You know, if I may, we actually do have a couple podcasts where Fred Burton on our team speaks specifically about the U.S. Capitol building and Nashville. Those might be very helpful because we unpack those a little bit more. Yeah, how, how can people find those? Just uh, real quickly, tell our listeners. Oh, great. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, if you head to ontic.ai slash center, okay. um, that's where you'll find the Center for Protective Intelligence, you know, where we share a lot of great content along the lines of what you're asking, you know, exactly in this question. Um, I think what you find is physical security alone is never enough. It does take intelligence collection and constant monitoring of the situation. Yep. Protective intelligence model is rarely used by police departments. Police have a much different approach and mindset, which centers on reaction. Um, The streams leading up to the U.S. Capitol attack was one of the worst protective intelligence failures we've really ever seen. The threats were there, but discarded. And to be honest, today, we don't know why. Hmm. Well, it kind of happened with 9-11, too. I mean, that could have been a whole different situation. That's an entirely different podcast that we could uh, go down. But the information was there and it was discarded or it wasn't shared properly. Um, so it seems like it's out there and you have to leverage technology to bring it all together and bubble it up. Yeah, the, the proactive protective intelligence model, um, right, is is key uh, line of initial defense uh, in the physical security um, work that many organizations do, um, but it, it is one piece, right? There's a lot that's also required as it relates to helping keep you know people safe. 
Well, I want to ask just one more question in closing. We'd like to give our audience something they can take with them and immediately go make an impact on their organization. So what's something that our audience can take action on today, in your opinion, to help them improve their company's safety culture? I think making situal awareness a company mission um, would be that key takeaway. You know, if leadership makes safety a priority, everyone else will take it seriously. For yeah. example, you know, if the CEO doesn't wear their badge to swipe in, no one else thinks it's important. So they follow that pattern. You know, safety really starts at the top. And if this isn't happening at your organization, I'd say make your voice heard. Um, I don't think there's a better time, to be quite honest. The risks are far too great to not do the work required ahead of a tragic event. Yeah, I agree. Those are two very powerful things. One, speak up when you see something wrong. Don't ever be ashamed to do that. And two, it's got to trickle down from the top. If executives don't embrace it, nobody else will. And that it seems obvious, but sometimes you just have to state it multiple times. You got it, Peter. All right. Well, hey, fantastic conversation. I really appreciate the time today. If anyone listening has follow-up questions, uh, just wants to connect with you, whatever it is, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can even email me at luke at ontic.ai or find me on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm pretty available. But Peter, really thank you so much for having me here today to discuss this important topic. All right. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And to the rest of you out there, Remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency, so communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.